Hello everyone, this is Kerwin and Bushro. Yes, uh, and welcome to another episode of Travel This Week with Koshu and Kerwin. And guess what? This is actually episode 10. So um, we've been going at this for 10 weeks, or well, maybe not 10 weeks. It might actually be eight weeks, but this is the 10th episode because we've done some episodes in between. And so thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you guys so much for listening. And please, um, we appreciate the downloads. Uh, please share with your friends. And also, um, we need your feedback. Uh, please let us know how we're doing, because um, we don't know how we're doing if you don't tell us how we're doing. Tell us what you'd like to see, if there's something else you'd like to see that works better than what we're doing. Um, it's okay, we have thick skin. We've been in corporate life for quite a while, so just tell us, tell us how we're doing. So today, what we're gonna have is, um, we're gonna start with Kusha, of course, as usual, right? And we're gonna talk about the 777 Freighter conversion. What have you got, Kusha? So this, I don't know why, but I'm, I'm very fascinated by it. This is actually the 777-300ER mm -hmm. conversion, which is by far the most popular uh, version of the 777 made. And um, I was surprised to learn that Boeing never really envisioned the 300ER to be converted to a freighter. Oh. Um, so there has to be a significant amount of reconfiguration done to make the aircraft um, compatible with all freighter requirements. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, now remember that they already have the 777F, um, which is the 200LR. So it's got the 200 uh, fuselage with the 300ER wings and engine, hmm. which is um, really, I think it's the current champion of long range uh, version of all the freighters right. in operation today. Actually, I should say most of the freighters. But I was surprised that there are at least eight aircraft types that are still very popularly, very popular among um, freight companies like FedEx and UPS and DHL and all the rest of them. Well, they, they still and, have, they still, they still have, um, Trying to think about so it's it's a triple seven, that's like the creme de la creme, right? Uh, well, it depends what you mean. Uh, the freighter, the triple seven freighter. Yes. And which is the two hundred LR okay. version. And there's the seven four seven four hundred freighter. The four hundred freighter, the eight hundred freighter. Uh huh. The M eleven. Which is the old McDonnell Douglas. And I think Lufthansa. Sorry? I think and then there was the MD 10. Right. Then there's the 763. Uh huh. Uh, which is the converted freighter. And uh, no, 763 is the converted freighter. Then there's the A300, the original um, wide body twin from right. Airbus. The DHL still flies. And uh -huh. the FedEx also. Yes, FedEx does that. 300 and the 330. The 330? Ah, uh, okay. The 200 version that uh, actually hasn't been a very brisk seller. Uh, I think it's been a bit of a disappointment for Airbus. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, all in all, there are um, eight, at least eight. Uh, uh, aircraft types, distinct aircraft types that are very popular with freighter companies. But um, the 300ER, 777, it's got a rather tongue-twisting uh, name, the ERSF, apparently. Oh, Extended Range Special Freighter. Ah, okay. <laughs> and this was initiated by GCAS, which is the leasing arm of General Electric. Mm -hmm. And they've partnered with um, Israel Aircraft Industries, IAI, in Tel Aviv. And they are doing this conversion for Boeing. 
okay. it actually went into effect in 2000, late 2019, but they got their first aircraft, a 300ER from Emirates, that was delivered to Emirates in 2005. So it's about a 15-year-old aircraft. Right. And um, they expect first delivery. They haven't really said to whom in sometime in 2022. So they said it was a three-year process. And I'm assuming that means in the summer-ish of 2022, the aircraft would be ready. Right. Wow. So the cost per aircraft is expected to be in the 30 to $35 million range. Um, because that may, and that may be an attractive feature because there are about 800 of these aircraft available or potentially available for conversion to freight. Emirates alone has about 130 plus of these aircraft. Wait, you're talking the 77W? There's that many of them out there? Yes. Wow. And Emirates is in the process of starting to replace them, hopefully with the 779. Yeah. And uh, maybe the, the 778. Um, and then Air France, as part of their rescue package, I think that they're the second or the third most, uh, third airline with the highest number of 777 300 ERs, or the 77Ws. And they've been told by their government, as part of their bailout, um, that they have to order Airbus products, which is a shame, though. I think the airline should be allowed to order what is best for them. So I'm not sure what that means for any future 777-9 um, order from Air France. But they will likely have to focus on the 350. Yeah, on the other hand, is uh, eligible to order any aircraft type as far as I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's so, funny, right? <laughs> yeah. So there are a lot of these aircraft available for sale. Well, potentially for sale in the next several years. Um, because several airlines are replacing them with the 359 and 351. Yeah. So they can be had pretty cheaply. Yeah. And to get an aircraft with this tremendous performance and relative fuel efficiency, I think might be an attractive proposition for a lot of freight carriers. Yeah. But I know, oh. and I know that uh, it's a Turkish Turkish operates them too, right? Yep, they don't. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have the freighter. They've got the Airbus the three thirty freighter. Oh, okay, all right. It's interesting. Every time they go to what's always fun about freighters is um, if you're going up to Anchorage, you fly on uh, you know a regular flight from Houston Anchorage, and then when you get there, you saw one of the freighters that you had seen in Houston because they go Houston Anchorage and then Anchorage to Asia um, and vice versa. So it's always uh, fun when you see them. Yep. I think the 747 is still king of the outsized freighters because of the, the nose uh, loading capability. Yep. But um, I've, I've been curious about why they haven't uh, marketed the Dream Lifter which is the um, 744 uh, aircraft used Boeing to transport right. 787. Uh, Major is from Europe and Asia back to yeah. uh, Seattle and South Carolina. That's got the unique swing tail. But I'm not sure if the deck, the main deck, because it's got two decks, I believe. Yeah. If that can accommodate a lot of concentrated weight as a freighter and then there's airbus with beluga yeah they never they never did that one either well, they haven't marketed that either for outsized they don't have a place to build it is my guess well, taiwan produces the dream lifter yeah they're using china airlines x 747s or boeing and i think Airbus produces the Beluga in Toulouse, by the way. Yeah, yeah. You're right. They may not have the 
resources to do the commercial, the commercial yeah. side of it because those can accommodate some pretty bulky pieces of right? yeah well so, cool it, it, but anyway we digress no 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 it's good it's good that we get a a, a thing on the freighters because as you talk about freighter um uh i follow this flight attendant online and he did he was out in LA, did Denver, LA, and um, he showed when he got, when he went to LA, he went to In and Out Burger, of course, and then he showed a Philippine Airlines. I think it was a triple seven landing, and I know we we're talking about the, the Philippine Airlines, and um, I'll put a link to the episode that we have uh, down here. But one of our episodes, I think, it episode six, or uh, maybe it's episode eight. It, it's one of our episodes. But um, we talk about um, the Manila airport being closed. Uh, but the Philippine Airlines, uh, I think it was a 777, was coming in uh, from Manila. So my guess is that uh, the airport is only open for freight, but not for, not for passenger traffic. And a repatriation, right? Yeah, and a repatriation, right? So, um, yeah. this, so this could be both, right? Repatriate. Well, it would be repatriation is going the wrong direction, but it might have been coming over with freight and then going back as yeah. a repatriation flight. Yeah. But speaking yeah. of flights, um, um, sorry, go ahead. This um, the new triple seven freighter three hundred uh-huh. is apparently capable of covering ninety five percent of the routes the seven four four freighter currently operates. Oh. And it does so much, much more efficiently. So that's a huge attractive. Yeah, and it's on two engines rather than four. So, yeah. 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 But um, a couple of things I, I thought were pretty interesting, what they had to do, why it was taking so long. Okay. Um, so they're going to put in the, the main cargo door at the back, just like the 744 combis that okay. KLM used to have. And what the 777 freighter as same okay. size cargo um, aft of the wings on the left hand side. Um, and then they're going to reconfigure the cockpit area for more for adjusted seating, crew seating, because sometimes these freighters have to double crew uh, right. for whatever reason. Then uh, they have to strengthen the main compartment, the floor floor compartment and reconfigure the ceiling and the window plugs, the sides, to make them fire retardant. Oh, okay, makes sense. Currently, the passenger versions have a different set of requirements um, for fire retardants compared to a freighter. All that will need to be replaced. And um, then, which is called a freight lining, that I learned about. And then another thing was a cargo barrier because the only cargo barriers I've seen were nets on KLM 74 combis, mm-hmm. actually. But those are a little inefficient because this cargo, this uh, rigid cargo barrier, I believe it's abbreviated as RCB, is um, aluminium and is fixed to the aircraft and allows for increased weight because it doesn't really allow the cargo to move or flex as much as a net goes, net does. Mm-hmm. So I had thought that the cargo couldn't move at all to affect the center of gravity, especially on takeoff and landing. Right. So um, well, and I, and all I, that... I don't think it moves, I, right? Because it, it, it can't. <laughs> but I guess no, apparently with the there, net, if it moves, it catches it. Yes. Well, with the um, the rigid barrier, the cargo cannot move, so it allows a more efficient and dense packing of pallets. Yeah, you can carry more stuff. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, all this is expected to take about three years. So they've initially got an order for 15, mm-hmm. GCAS initially ordered 15 with 15 options. But um, I'm sure once this aircraft goes into production and uh, the economics become more widely available and tested, 
there will be a se several other carriers. I can certainly see FedEx ordering this. Yeah, yeah, it would make sense. So, because no. the M11, which is really the backbone of FedEx, can travel six and a half thousand miles, which is about 13,000 ish kilometers. But uh, the 777, for instance, in the LR, that also is in the FedEx fleet, goes 8,000 miles. Uh, okay. But this yeah. um, 777, sorry, the 777-200 777 LR freighter that FedEx currently has goes 9,000 miles. Uh. But this one, the 300ER, would go a little less than about 8,000 which is about the same range as the current 744 and the 748. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, but it carries a lot more freight. Right, and that's, that's the key, because it is a longer plane. Right, longer plane. Um, and, of course, the 8, 748 carries 308, 310,000 pounds of payload. Whereas the new 777-300 converted freighter is about 220,000 pounds versus 206,000 pounds for the 777-200 freighter. Yeah, okay. So that's a big difference. It's about 20,000 pounds difference compared to about 155,000 pounds for the M11. There's a big difference. Yeah, that's a huge difference. I still can't believe they're flying M11 freighters still. <laughs> they're hardy, they're cheap uh, to purchase. Well, they, I don't think anyone's purchasing them anymore. Right. But they're fairly efficient as freighters, though. Hmm. So. Yeah, who would have Yeah, thought? but I'm, I'm sure they're on their way out. I know Lufthansa is thinking of. Yeah. Getting rid of them in favor of the triple seven, the LR freighter. Yeah, yeah. So because now the MD 11s will be coming up to what 20, 25 years old. Yeah, they'll be actually more than. Yeah, I actually flew the KLM one. Um, I went the passenger version, of course. I went from Amsterdam to. Uh, I think it was Kilimanjaro. Might have been. Yeah, these. Yeah, somewhere there that I it's, did. They used to come to the Caribbean also, or the Dutch. Yeah. Islands yeah. in the Caribbean. So, yeah. Uh, for that yeah, one. I thought this was interesting. I think it's an amazing aircraft, this 300 ER. Yeah, um, no, it, it, it definitely is. But it's, it's going to be kind of sad to see them not being used in passenger service anymore, though. I think they will still be, especially for carriers where recent orders like united for instance yeah and emirates still get them though it's so, such a long airplane <laughs> yes and now the nine triple seven nine will be even longer and really? more impressive yep it's gonna be interesting so i uh, know i know that's funky yeah, uh, i hope this program succeeds yeah it'll be good well thanks i'm for sure that. it will though um yeah so uh so we've uh, the, the, the folks who are interested in freighters, uh, Kusha just went to um, the 777W conversion, so that should be interesting to watch. And of course, we'll keep you updated um, as time goes on, and we actually have one out there. Maybe we'll get a chance to go to go get on one. I've never been in a freighter. Have you ever been in a freighter? No. Yeah, but what I'm sorry is that this is probably going to hasten the end of the 748 creative destruction uh, yeah, well, but, but but I mean, they're still, uh, like, Korean still flies them, Lufthansa flies them, and I'm trying to think of who else, who else flies this, this 747? Yeah, China. Yeah, China, yeah. yeah. And, and governments. Yeah, so we'll, well, we'll see how No, I'm goes. sorry, it's going to be only the U.S. Yeah. And as the 748. Um, so one thing I wanted to talk about, too, and that is, um, so... American Airlines flew uh, 737-800 to Antigua on the 4th. And we're recording this on the 6th. So this was two days ago um, that they did the flight. And um, it was Great a- celebration, I believe. It, it was a huge celebration. 
And I, I, I thought it was kind of weird, but I, I, I've never seen you recover the arrival of an airplane like that, except when you go to like a, a, a small, a small, well, I was going to say a small Caribbean island. Wait, this is a small Caribbean island. <laughs> Livelihood depends on it, really, um, on tourism. Yeah, and I like Antigua. I mean, I was just in Antigua earlier, uh, last year, actually, about a year ago. Matter of fact, exactly a year ago, uh, in earlier May. And I do like Antigua. And one of the hotels, uh, they only have, um, as I was reading, about eight hotels that are open. And uh, one of them is called Hammer Cove. And it was a hotel, and I'll, um, I'll show some pictures here, but it was a hotel that they were building when I went there and they gave us a tour. Uh, it's actually a really beautiful property. Um, but the, the procedures are, you jump on a plane here in, in the US and nobody gets tested. Uh, you fly to Antigua and then you do all the testing there in Antigua. And um, they have special taxis that, and you, you can't have too many people in a taxi. But if you tested positive when you arrive, then you have to go get quarantined in a government facility. Um, you do have to be quarantined if you're not um, sick for 14 days. So I don't know how that's going to be done. And like Antigua hotels are really expensive as are hotels in the Caribbean. The good thing is that, believe it or not, the summer in the Caribbean is a low season. So a lot of the hotels actually are normally closed at this time of the year. Um, but one of the ones called the Veranda Resort, that one is actually still, still closed. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how that works. But what I, didn't, what I didn't get was the U.S. is at level four, um, which means do not travel. So how were we able to operate that flight? There was 150 Antiguan citizens on there, and there were, the rest were U.S. citizens. So how did those citizens fly to Antigua if we're on a level four do not travel? Do you have an idea how that works? So I, no. I, I don't understand. I think it was a regular, it was, I think, return of a regular scheduled service. Though. Yes, they've actually changed, it is. They've actually changed the times. It used to be earlier. Um, so if I remember correctly, it was, uh, it never overnight, it, it, I think it just came in and went back. Um, but now they're overnighting and this is new. Yeah, which is sort of inconvenient for tourists, I would imagine. Uh, yes. I wouldn't be too happy checking into my hotel at the start of a vacation at midnight. Right, right. And, and so um, one of the things that I don't understand is like, okay, so... Why would you fly into a Caribbean island so you can be quarantined for 14 days? You can't go anywhere except the hotel. I, but, think, um, I don't get that. I don't think you can blame this Antigua, Barbuda, because Britain is starting the same thing on Monday, the 8th of June, right. which has led to a lot of uh, uh, complaints, especially from the airlines, because you have to stay, um, I believe it's 14 days in quarantine if you enter Britain. This is right. not the UK, it's just Britain. So that effectively shuts off business travel, which mm -hmm. is the bread and butter of uh, the New York London, right? Of so many airlines operating into London Heathrow. Uh -huh. So, so I, I, I don't I, know I, how they're going to get around that. Yeah, I don't understand some of the things. And, I, and, and it, it doesn't. And I see a bunch of places opening up. I think uh, Jamaica is supposed to be opening up, but I, I'm not sure when they're going to be open. Europe is opening up, but only to Europe. Uh, yes. So they, Other they European are, countries. Because I've seen a lot of friends that live in, like, people drive, you know, they, they're crossing the border on bikes from uh, Belgium and uh, Amsterdam, I mean, the Netherlands and stuff like yeah. that. Um, I mean, I, I get that we should be doing something, but I don't think there's enough communication to people as, like, what, what to expect um, yep. and I'm going to try to get some more information from the Antigua post and if I have a, a link I'll put a link in there but uh, I'm glad that we're opening up um, I'm just some of the comments on the on the Facebook feed that they did were quite interesting as well um, you, you get from the oh my god why are we bringing in all these people 
to, um, you know, okay, great. This is really good news that we're doing this. And the cool thing about that flight, the first officer is actually an Antiguan that flew in. So they were very excited about him doing the return, mm -hmm. return flight. But uh, this is the kind of stuff we're going to see happening and we just have to keep going. Um, I would still say whenever you go out there, protect yourself. Um, you know, make sure you do, you're wearing your PPE or mask or um, bring your stuff to clean, to clean down everything. So one thing somebody was asking was um, about pillows. Um, how are pillows mm -hmm. kept clean? Um, because, you know, they give you a, a new pillowcase, but everybody sweats on their pillows. Now, we, we never worried about this before, right? <laughs> Um, and I know a lot of flight attendants are doing it. So it would be good if uh, you know, the flight attendants were listening to this and the pilots kind of tell us, what are you doing? I mean, you, maybe they've got rid of pillows. I hope not, but that yeah, would be so the easiest solution for it now. It would be the easiest solution. Or I was thinking, you know, get some Tyvek pillowcases because those can keep whatever moisture in. Put the pillows in there and put your pillowcase over all that. Um, but yeah, flying, flying during COVID is, is, is kind of interesting. So um, the it next- was a lot of strain and a lot of expense on the airlines though, because oh, they purchase all the protective equipment for their crew and then the disinfectant and this and that. Yeah, it and is the quite- costs. So it's not cheap. It's not cheap. So, and one thing about the Antigua flight, it was full. You know, so, and I yeah. thought, I thought, were well, supposed to be middle seats empty or something like that? Or is that just a marketing thing that never, doesn't really materialize? American has an 85% load factor uh, yeah. restriction. They had 180 people yeah. on that plane. Um, huh? I need to look at okay. And I think that's probably that's pretty much full on a 738. That's pretty much full on a 738, exactly. Um, so... Yeah. I got 85 maybe for for staff travel. Yeah. So, so it's like, because I think United and Delta are. You need to get consumer confidence back. So you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. Um, but people need to know that yes, middle seat is going to be empty or middle seat is not going to be empty, so they can decide whether they're going to buy a ticket or not. Um, yeah. But. But anyway, we'll see how that goes. But I think you would not know that, though. When you're in the process of booking your seat, you're probably, what, two, three weeks before departure? And it's on a non-holiday period. It's rare that the flight is booked to, whatever, 70 80%. Yeah. But I think they're offering you the option of when you're boarding and when you're told that the flight is as full as whatever it is, you have the option to uh, be offloaded and put on another flight that's not as full. Yeah, but there's only one. Now, whether that's going to be convenient or not is another issue yeah. entirely. It's three flights a week to Antigua, I think they have. Yeah. So you miss that flight, it's like another two days or something. Yeah. The next one is. So, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like understand. It's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation for the airlines. Yeah. Uh, but I wish they would just say what it is and stick to whatever it is. So people yes. know what it is instead of yes. giving us all these fancy videos and telling us what you're going to do. But when you get to the airplane, that's not what you're doing. So I think, I think that's kind of bad for customers. But, um, oh, speaking yeah. of that, um, uh, I'm jumping all around because I just thought of something. Virgin Atlantic is going to be flying again. Did you see that notice? I, yes, but... <laughs> Is this new? Well, I think an option for a while, though. Well, only yeah. to a very select city, select uh, few cities. Correct. But they had issues, didn't they? I thought they didn't have any money. Branson was going to sell his island and all that. Did all that transpire? Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything about that. Oh, well, they're flying again. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so that's On a very good. reduced schedule. Yeah. Um, I think BA needs competition at Heathrow. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. Because the fears would just go bonkers. So yeah, you definitely, yeah. You definitely need the competition there. Um, all right, so I'm sorry, I'm jumping around, but uh, let's talk about the DOT banning Chinese carriers to fly into the US.
So what happened? That was there? another interesting and pointless argument uh, between the U.S. and China. Yeah. I think China was how it could play a little hardball with the U.S. Yeah. Uh, because so here's the situation, from what I have understand. Um, after this COVID issue arose in March, in in um, in earnest, the U.S. and China agreed that they would have one flight a week between U.S. the U.S. and China per carrier. And um, from what I have read, there were four Chinese carriers. There mm -hmm. was Air China, China Eastern, China Southern, and the Hainan Group that were allowed to operate. And the U.S. carriers, which were the big three, US, the United um, Delta and American, for the most part, they voluntarily withdrew service to mainland China in an okay. effort to curb the infection. So the Chinese continue to operate to the U.S. And uh, the U.S. Um, uh, DOT submitted a petition with the uh, CAAC, the Chinese equivalent of the U.S. FAA, for Delta and United to restart services to China on the 1st of June. And they did this pretty early on. And for whatever reason, China stalled, or more precisely, they didn't provide any sort of feedback. So they kept silent. Yeah. So I guess someone at the DOT in the US decided to uh, turn the screws on China and said, if this is not, this does not happen, or if we do not hear back from you, we're cutting off access to all Chinese carriers operating to the US. So I think that got the attention of Chinese authorities and they finally responded to the US and now they've allowed US carriers one flight a week starting on June the 8th hmm. but they cannot have any additional service uh, more than what they had on March 12th for whatever reason uh, but I think US is um, because it's on a reciprocal basis, so it's, it's limited to one a week. I believe American doesn't start service to China until October. So they're sort of out of the picture until that time, but Delta and United were. Okay. So, so, so here's my always thing about this again. It's like, what are we doing for testing? <laughs> Protesting. Well, well, COVID is not gone. COVID is still here, right? Yeah. So what are we doing when people are going and crossing all over? How are we? How are I'm we shouting <laughs> with a lot of spray in the air and <sighs> um, not wearing masks and yeah. So it's, but I guess it's such an emotional issue. And it was so raw for so many people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's 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 bad. I mean, it's I mean, it's it's brought the 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 world to its knees. Um, but I fear that I fear that we're not prepared properly um, to start whatever we're doing. I feel that we're, I feel that, and I feel people don't really take it seriously. Um, no, so we, absolutely not. But there's also this balance between right. economic and health necessity. Absolutely. And you, you need to get there. And I, and I, we, we understand more how it works now than we did three months ago. Um, and yeah. people are not as panicked as they were three months ago. Um, but I, I still don't, with, with a lot of places opening up and a lot of flights going back and forth, um, I feel people, it's, it's like here in Texas, um, I read something that says um, we have, our numbers have increased by 30% or something like that. Yep, uh, Yeah, and, and that's huge, right? Since, and they said it's a result of Memorial Day. And so this tells me that people are not being careful. Um, so we're relaxed, we're going back to exactly where we were, and are we gonna have a panic again 
and you're going to have a big hoopla, oh, we're going to stop flights, oh, we're going to close borders, oh, we're going to do all this stuff, rather than, um, you know, we can do our, we can make sure that we're not spreading or we're reducing the spread of the disease. Uh, or the virus. Like Port Lionel in Indonesia. There's a lot of fanfare there announced that they were restarting flights uh-huh. uh, after being shut down for a while. And um, so they restarted and they found no one was willing to travel. <laughs> so guess what? They shut down again. <laughs> but You kind of should have um, asked people if they really want to travel. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, right? It's like everybody goes, it's I want to go somewhere. for them to backtrack like this but i guess they had no choice they had no choice but but it's like it's like going to antigua so i'm quarantined for two weeks so basically i'm just taking a vacation i'm going to hang out on the beach i'm going to stay in my hotel um there is no i think the food is there is no uh, buffet uh, and a lot of these hotels do have buffets so right. um, I the breakfast uh yeah right you you know you you have to stay on property um you can only do water sports that don't have physical contact, but the water sport area is open for those sports that don't. Okay. Um, so you're like, what kind of vacation is that? <laughs> uh, but you know, I, that's, that's a whole, and I want tourism to start back because I mean, for crying out loud, that's what I do. Um, so I really want tourism to start back, but I don't know. It, and the linear thing is really a great example where people are just like, you know what, I'm not going anywhere because I don't feel I don't feel like everything is safe out there. Yeah, yeah. So that makes it interesting. But we'll so see. KLM is restarting their Caribbean services at least to their their islands, if you will, like yeah. Aruba, Brazil, Bonaire, in early July. You know, because so, people want to go on vacation. But when these countries are still closed, though. Uh huh. So obviously they know more than we do. And so that's what I understand. Is, it's like, are people going to buy tickets and are they going to get to the airports? Um, you know, do, do they know what the procedures are? And so... On um, both ends, actually. Both the Netherlands and in the Caribbean. Yeah, see, it's very good. Um, what I want to do, I'm going to go, in, go online and try to buy tickets and see what kind of notification they give me and tell me what to expect. Um, yeah. So that'd be interesting. Um, all right. So, this is oh, uncharted territory for everyone, though. I'm sorry? It's uncharted territory for everyone. It is uncharted territory, mm-hmm. but we're, we're smart people. We know how right. to do this, right? And, um, yep. like, like, for example, I'm using the antique example because that's the most current one, right? That, a big fanfare. Why would you not test the passengers in the United States? Why would you test them when you get to Antigua? So if you test someone in Antigua and they're, um, and they're positive for the virus, then the entire plane is in quarantine because everybody on that plane was close to this person. So why wouldn't you have tested them before they got on the plane? There's a practicality issue. But you're gonna no test them when they arrive anyway. Is it a quick 15-minute test or is it a 4-day test? It's a quick one because, yeah, they do the quick swab test, apparently, and they also do, uh, um, what's the other test? Do they keep you on site for those 15 minutes until they get results? Yep, everybody's in PPEs. Um, And so, um, yeah, you get tested when when you get off the flight. And, uh, and then, okay, so I assume they have all the cleaning stuff in Antigua, right? I'm impressed that they actually have sufficient guests. Uh, well, right. And, and here in the US, what, we don't have. Enough. That's probably why the flight is, is three times a week. So there's a lot of questions that I'd like to get answered. And I think I'm going to try to find an Antigua person because um, I know the PR people. So I'm going to try to add. Uh, try to get them. Uh, maybe we can do an interview with, with them. I'm going to see if I can do that. Antigua Barbuda is a high-end destination. I don't think it's a Cancun by any means. No, means. it is not. It is high-end. It, it is. Uh, it's a little pricey, but it, it's yeah. really nice. I mean, you, you really get good quality for your money. There's no question about that. 
Uh, the yep. beaches are lovely. Uh, people are friendly. Um, you know, so it's it, it is a really nice destination. But I'd like to know. I'd, I'd like to answer these questions. So, you know, because I don't I don't understand them myself. Uh, maybe I can get the hotel folks on so I can ask them. These are questions that I have that need to be answered. <laughs> All right. So we have another another one. We um the Airbus two twenty. I want to talk about the two twenty. Yeah, the Airbus two twenty. Name for the Bombardier CS. Yeah. So what's the deal with that? So this week, actually, um, the aircraft, the first U.S. produced um, U-20 was assembled and flew, actually, the Delta. It was a 300, so it's a U-23, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, previously, um, the only assembly line was in Montreal, where Bombardier has its factory. But you get around objections from Boeing, um, which I think were ridiculous. Um, Air, uh, Bombardier agreed to produce the aircraft in model in Alabama uh, okay. um, at the Airbus facility yeah. that, uh, that they have that currently produces the 320 series, which is the 1920 and 21 for US carriers. So what they had done apparently was take over a little portion of the current 320 assembly line to make the 220. And while they were doing this, while the brand new structure exclusively for the 220 is under construction. So this one for Delta uh, was produced um, off that. 320 assembly line that had been taken over for the 220. Yeah. And I believe um, JetBlue is supposed to get the first 220 assembled in its own specific production assembly line. Mm. Again, in mobile, but in a different building. Yeah. So now Airbus has two locations to uh, produce this aircraft. Yeah, that was interesting because they, I don't believe they're planning to move any production to Toulouse or or Hamburg, and they're going to keep it in the Western Helm. Yeah, that makes sense. So we're going to have to try to get a tour for sure. I know. I would love to see that because I think it's. A, I wish more airlines would order it because yeah. I think it's a great craft. Um, but I think it has gained traction since it was rebranded as an Airbus product. Um, JetBlue, for instance, ordered it. Um, yeah, so yeah, I hope it does meet success. Yeah, and it, it's an amazing plane. I've flown it three times, uh, maybe four times. Yeah. Twice on Delta. Uh, actually, three, uh, three times. I think three times on Delta and uh, once on uh, Air Baltic. So four times, I think. It's a beautiful year. The Air Baltic doesn't have the, uh, the toilets windows. Okay, because Delta's going to standardize on it uh, yeah. as a replacement for the their MD eighty eight MD nineties. That's right. Which is retired, right? Three hundred. Um, the two twenty three hundred has about one hundred and thirty seats. Mm -hmm. The MD eighties were about one forty nine ish. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and of course, this aircraft is so much more efficient right. and quiet and comfortable. And the MD 88s and 90s work. Yeah. So, yeah, I hope this aircraft meets success. That would be cool. So, um, since you mentioned the, the uh, MD 88, Delta retired this past week? Yep. End yeah. of an era, I think, because I always associated the MD aircraft with Delta. Uh, yes. Uh, they updated the, I know Northwest used to update the their MD 88s and they made them so impressive inside it was yeah. like a brand new inside and i put not the 88 it was i think the 80. well it's 80 series yeah um, so um, i think houston atlanta and washington dallas atlanta were the last flights of the 88 and the 90. yeah it was washington dallas um i was watching some stuff on uh on instagram 
and some of the guys on Instagram were were flying. Uh, the flight wasn't full. Um, no, it wasn't. Yeah, they they I actually had partly because of the the COVID. The COVID, yeah. Well, they they yeah. did do the middle seats, um, but one of the guys on it said not all. I think the middle seats were empty, but the the double seats because it's three two configuration, so it 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 wasn't a full flight. And I think Delta is one. They had a lot of aviation geeks on board, apparently. Yeah, they had a big so, thing. I saw some of the, I saw some of the pictures, um, and I know some of my friends wanted to get on it. Uh, you know, I mean, so the MD eighty eight that airplane started when um, when I first started working in the industry at Washington in Washington National. Um, that's a plane that I worked on. Um, and this was probably what twenty thirty years ago. Uh, 1995. Okay. So, so what's that? Uh, 25 years? Yeah. 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 So, um, it's been a really tough and very reliable aircraft, I thought. Yeah. So, it's, 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 uh, um, so they used to use them, uh, even with, uh, when United had them, well, Continental had them, they used to fly, uh, to Las Vegas, um, because they, okay. they did special configuration to them so they would be able to fly over the mountains. Because what happened was when they go, when you go over the mountain, you get a lot of updraft and downdraft. And the MD-80s were actually quite good at, um, at withstanding those. And I remember- They had so um, many variants though. Yes. Yes, what, the 87, the 88, uh, the 90, yeah. and the D910, 30, 40. Yep, and I remember the 90s mm -hmm. because the 90s had um, the engines were just bigger than the MDA. Yeah. Uh, and then so, but, but and the tail cone. The tail cone, right. Now, um, you, you ever exit to the, to, the tail, to the tail cone of an MDA? Yes. Ah, it's yes. awesome. <laughs> so in, D, in DC, we would, we would um, the passengers would never exit to the cone um, unless they didn't have a gate or something, but we would always use that as the maintenance so we'd actually come in through the cone um that was convenient for cleaning crew also even oh yeah well, you're, you're looking at the cleaning oh. crews. <laughs> so that's what so it's i mean it's a it's a beautiful airplane um the thing is that back then when i was working on the ramp i didn't take any photos i mean it was in the 90s mid 90s you know like we didn't have these so um, we couldn't do yep. that, and uh, you were more. But now it's quite different, right? So um, I definitely, and I missed on the when Continental um, retired theirs. Um, I actually missed the flight. I got bumped. <laughs> I had gotten a space available ticket. You mean the last one? Yeah, the last one. Okay. And I think it was Scott and myself, and uh, he. I said, "Dude, go take the last seat," and he took the last seat, and I took the next flight in. Um, but we had, we had flown, I think we had flown the plane from Houston to, I forgot what city it was. And then we're going to go back and now uh, I didn't make it going back. I, I should find the pictures for that. But, um, it, and then on a, on a, sorry, then on a related note, this was the last week for Air Canada and the 763 also. Oh, so they, they're gone. Oh, and okay. the one night. Wow. So. You know, yep. it's it, so it's it's kind of sad that our industry has been basically decimated. Um, but we'll get out of it. We'll get more efficiency, um, and I hope the the um, the CEOs won't get too egotistical and start adding routes left, right, and center. Um, yeah. But I know that's not going to happen. Everyone's going to be. Oh, we we need to get back to where we where we were. And I get that. You know, because it, a lot of people are going to be out of work. Um, even when they start flying again. Um, Everyone seems to be saying that we'll emerge a smaller carrier, which is all well and good, but I wonder how long that will last. It won't last too long because oh. the, the CEOs are egotistical. They want to be the largest, the biggest, have the most network, fly to the most places, have the most planes. So um, I don't think having us, the small airlines are going to last as people yeah. As people say um, but you know I mean unless you've you've parked a lot of planes and you've retired them 
So you just don't have the yep. space to do anything. Um, you know, I can see Virgin being smaller, but then you think about it, which routes are they cutting? I mean, they don't fly to a lot of places. So, I mean, I, yeah. I would still think they would do Barbados because that's a cash cow for them. Um, they would probably still do Orlando because Disney is a cash cow for them. Um, and from Gatwick, right? Yeah, and maybe and they were closing Gatwick, the yep. Gatwick operation. Well, I guess they'll just oh. move everything to Heathrow, right? And 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 they'll probably see, just... again. It's a tricky situation because the the charges at Gatwick are much lower, so it's easier for leisure traffic out of Gatwick than it would be for Heathrow because just a slot at Heathrow. It's so much more expensive than Gatwick. So for tourists on almost exclusively leisure destinations, like the Caribbean for uh, Virgin and British Airways, the fares just have to increase. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be crazy. But then they I guess they've considered all of that. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, have to wait and see what happens. I'm actually going to see, going to go look at this schedule and see what they have loaded, um, because if they're going to fly, they probably start loading the schedules already, so they could start selling tickets, mm. and then I can that'll give me an idea and mm. see what's going on. So, did you have anything else? Not well. There's a lot of other stuff to talk about, but I think all right. Well, be good for this week. That's good. We'll have another episode. Well, everyone, thank you so much for uh, listening to us babble about um, aviation uh, this week in... Please give feedback. This week in travel, yes. We definitely want you to give us feedback. Um, drop us a note. Uh, leave a, a note on the post. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you want to be able to talk about. And um, share with your friends. Um, you know, download from... Uh, we're on uh, Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. Uh, iTunes. Um, we're on almost all the major podcast networks out there. And of course, if you want to watch it, you can just go back to fastfriday.com slash TTW and you can actually watch the episodes um, if you can't just listen to us on the other side. So once again, this is Kerwin and sure. uh, for another for episode, our 10th episode of this uh, of travel this week. Talk to you guys soon.